Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weightloss. That's plushcare.com slash weightloss. On the 6th of January, over 250 million Indonesians held their breath when their national football team walked onto the pitch for the semi-final of the AFF Championship in a game between Indonesia and Vietnam. This was a massive game for Indonesia. The players lined up for the national anthem. Ten of them were born and raised in Indonesia. However, one stood out, a player from Europe who somehow became an adored international player for Indonesia. This is the story of the man who is often called the David Beckham of Southeast Asia. Mark Klok was born and raised in Amsterdam, the Netherlands. He played as a midfielder in Bulgaria and Scotland before making a surprise move to the Indonesian league back in 2017. When Klok arrived in Indonesia, he thrived both on and off the pitch. He managed to become an Indonesian international player, even though he had no Indonesian roots whatsoever. He's also captained their national football team several times over the last 12 months. So, we scheduled a call with Mark Klok for a podcast to find out how he became the David Beckham of Southeast Asia. Welcome to the 433 Podcast. Yo, Sam. Hi, Mark. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Oh, good, man. How was your day today so far? Good. Uh, to be honest, I'm a bit sick today. Oh. But uh, I trained the rest of the day just with the family home and the little one. Yeah. Nothing much, nothing much. You? Yeah, all good, man. All good. Yeah, a little bit of a fever or, or something else? Yeah, fever, I yeah. think. Yeah, after the after the AFF Championship, man, I, I followed you guys. It was a uh, you you guys came far uh, to the semifinals, uh, came a long came a long way. How do you look back at the tournament now? <laughs> um, good question, man. Uh, proud, but also uh, disappointed because uh, I wanted to win it so bad, and I think we had such a great chance to win it. But unfortunately, we uh, we we uh, went out in the semi-final, um, and I just felt there was so much more for us to take. You know, I I literally th- thought that we had the best team in the tournament, um, 
but sometimes not always the best team wins. But uh, I don't know. I feel proud because the way we we played, the way I played, um, the way uh, how far we came, you know, also to show Indonesia uh, in front of our whole fans that we are not afraid against any other country, Thailand, Vietnam. We played really great home games in front of 60, 70,000 supporters. So this is such a nice moment to look back on. But uh, disappointed, yeah, what I said, because we didn't win it, didn't go to the final. Um, yesterday I was watching Vietnam-Thailand, the final, and I just painted my eyes like, shit, man, we should have been there, you know? Yeah, so close, so close. But you can see, I think, that there's a lot of improvement in the Indonesian national team over the last couple of years, right? And there's there's progress that's being made. And I think, above all, that may be the most important, even though, of course, for you as a player now, it may, may feel like... Um like there, there was something lost. Yeah, you did everything. As always, you are a very hard worker and a fanatic in the field as well. I have to ask about this because this clip went viral. You probably know what I'm going to ask about. <laughs> the clip went viral that uh, you were uh, uh, covering one of the players from Vietnam. And then you all of a sudden you fell to the ground. And it looked, Mark, it looked like you were diving. <laughs> what happened there? Did you... Did you- did you not see the Did you not see the sniper in the <laughs> in the stadium? <laughs> Call of Duty live. <laughs> no, man, I, I will tell you the story about it. Like, <laughs> like uh, we played them in home. Yeah. Okay, and 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 this number five left back, this guy was tackling two feet up, mm. uh, making crazy tackles, uh, giving elbows, and every time. He did like he was the one who got damaged, but mm-hmm. he was actually killing our players. And um, so everybody was speaking about him, like, what is this guy doing? How does he get away with it? You know, not having a red card or whatever. Yeah. And uh, we go there to Vietnam. The guy do the same thing in the first half. Still mm-hmm. only gets yellow. And we was behind 1-0 at that point 2-0. And the coach said in halftime, like, Mark, do anything you can to get this guy off the pitch. So, you know, we have a chance to, you know, to 10 men and maybe we can go back because it's our, it's our last game. And I was, I was trying to irritate the guy and he was smart. Actually, I must say he was smart. He was winning 2-0. So he didn't have to do all these things again. I was like, what, how can I get this guy off the pitch? (laughs) And and I was like, oh man, okay, maybe I do like he, he give me an elbow or something. But um, sadly enough, there are cameras. And sadly enough, the guy have his hands behind his back. So it, but you know, all publicity is good publicity. They say right. So <laughs> at least <laughs> it went viral. But uh, now I, I felt a little bit ashamed when I saw it because it's not me. But uh, it, I just go all in, you know, all in or nothing to 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 go and reach the final. Yeah, yeah, it's good that you can laugh about it now. Yeah, because yeah, of course it is it is funny and these uh, things do happen sometimes on the pitch. I can imagine that when you're so deep invested into a tournament and you like all rationality goes overboard and you just do anything to win and this well this backfired a bit but it's still funny yeah exactly yeah. but you did it you guys didn't post that for luckily <laughs> i don't think so yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> don't 
man. No, it's already assumed enough, man. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think I saw it somewhere uh, somewhere on Twitter. All right, man. Let's talk yeah. about your, your career. We talked a little bit about uh, the, the recent AFF Championship, but overall, you, of course, have a very interesting and unique uh, career. And let's pick it up at the moment you, you first moved to Indonesia and a little bit before that, because you, at that moment you were playing in Scotland at the Dundee FC. And before that, you played in Scotland before. I think you played in Bulgaria as well and in the Netherlands, of course, where you're from. When you were playing at Dundee FC um, and you look back at that period of your career before you moved to Indonesia, what was your career then like and what kind of struggles did you have to encounter as a, as a football player? Yeah, good question. Um, like I was start, I was start back in the days, and 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 as a kid, you know, every boy dreams of having a, a career at uh, United, Real Madrid, Premier League, whatever, Eredivisie. Um, and and me as well. I I, I played in the U at Utrecht, uh, FC Utrecht, uh, ten years. I always dreamed of making my uh, debut in the Eredivisie. Didn't happen. I had a chance to go abroad to Scotland to the Premier League at, at the age of 19, which was the best thing I could ever done as a, as a human, as a, as as an individual to grow myself. Um, as a football player, that's the moment you know everything starts to get serious, and you start to see the real world of football where you say, "Okay, it's it's something I like, it's something I love, but it's also my job now, and um, there's money to be earned." And it's a way of living, and 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 you see that everything is is going to be surviving from this from this day. And you are a young guy in 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 another country abroad. Uh, you have to do everything yourself, and you have to make a make a statement for yourself that you are the one who should play. And and this is not always the case, and and easy to 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 play week in week out. And this is where the challenge really starts because as a as a kid, talent. Uh, good player, you always play every week, right? And you enjoy what you do. But that's the that's the moment when sometimes you don't play anymore, and you're not in the squad, and you're not on the bench, and for 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 weeks, for months, you not even play a game. And that's where the challenge starts, and the mental aspect starts to starts to enter. And I would say that that my career was really challenging, mental mental wise, because I always had to fight against the odds. Uh, and prove myself over and over again like hey what you guys are doing is not right I should play I'm better I think I'm better etc etc um, so that time in Dundee actually it was a funny one because I already played in Scotland before um, yeah. it didn't work out um, and I left to Bulgaria where I had an amazing time again where I find the joy of football back Then I went to England uh, and and back to Scotland again. As I thought, okay, now is the time. I learned so much. I grow as a, as a as a player. Now I'm not that young kid from 19 anymore. I'm 23 with a lot of baggage. Uh, now is the time to play and maybe make my move again to Rangers, Celtic, mm. uh, and maybe go back to the Premier League again. This was still the dream, you know. This was still the the focus and and where I worked for. Then I went. Then I signed on deadline day. Uh, at Dundee and you will say why will you sign a guy on deadline day uh, and not play him mm. so uh, I come on trial uh, three days and then the last day of the window we say yeah I need you uh, we don't have this position in our team 
please sign. Okay, yeah. let's go. I arrive and I don't play nothing, <laughs> like zero. And and, I, and I'm like, oh no, not 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 again, you know. <sighs> and then there is this one day uh, where I just receive an email, which says, "Hey, Mark, uh, I'm Frank. Um, I got your number from this and this. Uh, do you want to go to uh, Indonesia?" Mm. And I'm like, "Hey." What is this? <laughs> Does it mean I have to go on holiday, or uh, or do they actually play football there? You know. So this was uh, this was the moment where everything changed. 2017. Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. So you you got that email, and uh, your first thoughts were like, you know, do they even play football there and stuff? Uh, and from that moment on, I, I imagine you googled the club and stuff. What what was your process then to come to this decision? If this was a good decision to move away from your European dream, so to speak, to Southeast Asia? Yeah, first of all, you have to get the, let the reality check in because what you say, the European dream, this is what we all have, right? Every player in the Netherlands, uh, in the UK or whatever who's listening uh, has this dream of becoming that great European player um, because this is all we, we fought, fought for as a kid and, and what we did throughout the ac- academies. Uh, but that moment you realize like, hey, is maybe my European dream not realistic anymore? Like, is this it? Like, should I try something else? And And at that moment I said, maybe I have to accept it, you know, let it sink in. Maybe it's not going to work out. Uh, but what is the what is the alternative? And and then I was thinking like maybe I can have a career in Southeast Asia or in Asia, where I am that guy with uh, how you say uh, multiple uh, possibilities. Uh, people look up to you. Uh, you are a great player, um, great lifestyle, which you always dreamed of in Europe. Yeah. And and at that moment when the, the opportunity came, I was like, maybe I can start from zero all over again when nobody know me and do the same thing again and let it work there. Yeah. So that that was actually the thought of me when, when the opportunity arrived. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Cool, so that's interesting. So then you decide, right? You decide to make the move and that's a big decision. Then you hop on a plane and you fly all the way to, to Indonesia and you arrive at the, at the PSM Makassar. And not a lot of people uh, in general, especially from Europe, have ever visited that, that, that place, you know? So what was that like when you got off the plane and you first, uh, you know, saw the environment and the people? What was that experience like? Weird, man, because uh, when I arrived... Uh, they they thought a superstar is coming, you know, and uh, and 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 grab me in pictures and signatures and uh, I was like, what is happening? You know, like <laughs> in, in Scotland, I say good morning, gaffer, and the guy just walked past me. You know, they didn't even say hello, and uh, and people on the street would never know who am I, and and I arrived and it was just madness, and and I was like, wow, okay, welcome. <laughs> new life <laughs> new life okay i can i can i can uh i can like this i think yeah 
Yeah, a lot of appreciation immediately. Uh, something that maybe was lacking yeah. a bit before. I also read uh, in an interview, another news outlet, a colleague of mine, Bastuit, I think uh, did with your mother that uh, there was some personal things happening right when you arrived in Indonesia that your stepfather uh, passed away uh, the day after you arrived in Indonesia um, you know what was it like from your perspective if I'm if I may ask if if you don't want to talk about it that's okay as well but I I want to ask you know what was it like from your perspective and how did you deal with something like that yeah So, so first of all, you, you take the challenge to go to the other side of the world all alone. Uh, no, no family, no girlfriend, nobody. Then second of all, you are, you are actually on a journey to find acceptance. And uh, what you said, I didn't have this acceptance in Europe. So all I, all I was looking for and wanted was this acceptance. So you come in a new country, uh, take the step and the risk to find this. And then the day after this happened, uh, when I arrived and I was in complete shock, especially for my mother, because yeah, this is, this is, this is crazy. You know, like this is, this was just shocking. Like, uh, I don't even know how to describe, but just, I felt so sad for my mom that I just wanted to come back again yeah. for her. But If you look back and, and even at that time, that was not the right decision because what I said, I was on the journey to find acceptance. And if I go back, I may never find that. Um, so my mom even told me, stay there. And when everything is calmed down, so far it can be calmed down. I will come to you and uh, we will be together. So that was the decision we made. And uh, I always knew, okay, I knew I came here Uh, with a one-way ticket to to survive and to make things happen. But at that moment, I knew maybe more clear, okay, whatever happens, I'm going to make it. I'm going to make my mom proud, my dad proud. Uh, uh, I have to I have to do it for them as well. Yeah, yeah. So it's uh, you took it as extra motivation, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's... I think that's the probably the best way to to deal with something like that at that moment, um, and then you you submerge yourself in Indonesian culture, right? And uh, Indonesia or Southeast Asia, the culture can be very different from what we're used to in uh, Western Europe, especially. Um, my mother's family is from Indonesia as well. I visited a couple of times, and uh, the culture is very different in the sense that people maybe more grateful for what they have uh, a bit more humble as well i think uh, from your point of view when you submerged yourself in the culture for the first time what were the things that caught your attention yeah i think the thing is that people may not have a lot um and and if i talk about a lot i mean maybe materialistic things uh, uh health wise um just principle and, and normal things, what we count as granted in, in Europe, but they are so happy and, and grounded and grateful for what they have that, that I find it fascinating that we always in our European mindset want more and better and, and greater. And and, 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 and at the first time I realized like, you know, they are fine, you know, and the other thing is they don't know better. 
So they don't know the other side, maybe. But for them, it's okay. Mm-hmm. Like they are good, and uh, you know, I could, I can learn from that, and still I can. And and at that time, especially, I was like, it opened my eyes because you never saw something like that. Because in 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 the European mindset, it's always go 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 yeah. go, chase chase chase, and uh, it made me sometimes realize that here I should also just say, okay, you know, we are here now. Uh, look what we have look how grateful I am Um, okay there's more to take or there's more to earn or there's you know greater things to achieve but look what we already have Hmm. and and I think that's the biggest thing I learned from from the mindset of Indonesian people cool cool interesting so then you you start your football career as well in Indonesia and uh, Indonesia a lot of people don't know worldwide that uh, after China and India and the US it's the biggest country when it comes to population in the world and of course it's a massive country consisting out of uh, thousands and thousands of islands so that means that when you travel with your team you also have to visit a lot of different places right can you describe some of the away days and uh, some of the especially the more special special experiences you've had the places you visited that you thought wow i never thought ever that i would play in a place like this for example yeah yeah there are so many <laughs> like what you said the country is so big and every game you need to fly if you don't play at home because so many different cities um sometimes you have a travel of let's say 12 to 14 hours I could be back in Amsterdam, you know, but I'm <laughs> I'm still in Indonesia playing a away game. It's it's crazy, and I never forget my first um, time I arrived. We played uh, the first game was away, then home, and then away again. Mm. And they told me, "Welcome, because you just arrived to the two most difficult away games uh, you can have in Indonesia. So after this, don't worry, everything gets better. But just survive these two." So the first one, we uh, go on a plane, I think it was a two-hour two uh, trip, and then we go by bus like six or seven hours. And then we arrive in, a, in, a, in a such a bad place, uh, like super crazy, like the hotel was so bad, the food was horrible, like nothing on the street. I felt like I was in a jungle, like in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> Uh, I had to play the game. Then after the game, go back again in the bus so long to the airport, go home. And I was just like, wow, where did I end up? (laughs) Then we have a home game and then we go away again. And this was the most uh, horrible one for for, for the people. So I said, okay, let's uh, take it as a surprise. So I think we have three flights, three, to go to one place. And when we arrive in that place, I don't have any internet. I don't have any signal. Uh, I see people on the street with, uh, like, fully naked with only the... Oh, wow. Uh, how, you, how you call it? Uh, like... Um, uh, very indigenous yeah. clothing, so to speak. They put something in front of their uh, uh, penis. Yes, yes. Tribes. What is it called? Yeah, yeah something like that. Yeah. I was like, wow, man. Like, I'm in the jungle, like, real jungle. <laughs> and uh, the place was called uh, Papua. So I think everybody in life have heard Papua, Papua New Guinea and everything. And and actually I, I was there, like I was in Papua at that point just to play a game. 
There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. And um, there was no TV yeah. because the, the game couldn't be uh, covered as well. So they told me, like, if they, the result is not good, maybe they will just shoot with a gun in the air to, to make the referee afraid, you know? <laughs> like, it, <laughs> it was just uh, crazy. And uh, they said, no, never, there is a team who win there. <laughs> and actually, we won that day. Oh, wow. And everybody was looking, like, should we celebrate or should we just... <laughs> get out. <laughs> make, yeah, get out. Oh, uh, wow. So I will say... I think that was uh, yeah some 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 nice uh, away yeah. games yeah yeah that's that's that that sounds amazing and also uh, like uh, you were appreciated the moment you arrived but also uh, on the pitch I think uh, people sensed immediately that you added value to to the team and uh, you made the move to Persija Jakarta one of the biggest teams of uh, Indonesia what was it like for you to then play in Jakarta for one of the bigger teams yeah. So I was three years playing at uh, Makassar. I had uh, so when I arrived, I signed a one-year deal. After the season, uh, I immediately extend for two years. They were really happy. After the after the uh, second year, with one year left, they were so happy again that they say, "Let's sign a five-year contract and oh. get you and help you with uh, the documents to get your passport." So uh, I signed a five-year contract as I think one of the first ever players in Indonesia as a foreigner with wow. such a long contract. Um, but then after one year, they start to have uh, financial problems. And at that moment, also the results start to drop a little bit because yeah. of the, the problems, I think, as well. Um, and, and and luckily for me, there was Persija who knocked on the door and said, hey, we want to... We know he still has a long contract, but we want to buy him. So this was quite a big thing. Um, so I was stoked because after three years in Makassar, I finally moved to a big city again, which also makes it easier for flying, traveling, family, yes. Yes. Uh, more international city. So I was really happy with that move. So <clears throat> this was 2020, early 2020 it happened. COVID um, shortly after that, right? And then, uh, crazy. And then two games in and COVID came. Oh. So you barely got to yeah. experience the fans as well. In two games. Yeah. Yeah. So not much. Yeah. Yeah. So, so then COVID hits and I think the, the league was shut, shut down in Indonesia as well. Right. Like most of football worldwide. 
Yeah, for one year. Yeah, for for a full year even. That's uh, that's crazy. Yeah. Four yeah, twelve months. Yeah. yeah. So how many games did you actually play for Persija? So I played two for the league. Then the, the league got stopped twelve months. Then they, we came back for a tournament. Yeah. Um, and then I played the whole tournament, like eight games. Mm. Um, and then after the tournament, I made the I made the move. Yes, that's a delicate move. <laughs> talking about you, you move to Percipe, your current club, and that's like uh, you move from Real Madrid to Barcelona or something similar, right? Yeah, that's a very delicate move. Yeah, I, th- I saw on YouTube you did a big interview with uh, a journalist back then on why you you made the move. But could you briefly explain why did you decide to leave Persija Jakarta and move to Persib Bandung, one of the other big clubs from uh, Indonesia? Yeah. So, so it was a dream actually to play for Persija and to and to to make this move. I was really happy to live in Jakarta um, and and sign a, again a big uh, long contract there. But then, unfortunately, COVID came, and uh, what I said, uh, the league got stopped down. Uh, <coughs> problems start to happen with the with the clubs financial wise, um, mm. and 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 that was the biggest reason for me to say okay. Yes, we have COVID. Uh, at, in the whole, in the whole world, we have COVID. Uh, every football club experienced this. But how are we gonna deal with the situation? And they were really stubborn at the time. It was only one way. And I'm a person and player. Like I always come up for my rights, and I think every player should do this. But it's not always the case, uh, especially in Indonesia with local players. They feel afraid or they get uh, pressed. Mm-hmm. Um, Um, but at that time I was really strong in, in what I want and what I don't want. And, uh, it was really sad that, that they didn't find any way I was speaking with them so many times. And then I find, okay, if it's not going here in the way I want it to go and I'm in my rights by FIFA and by all rights, then, then I should maybe look for a, a way out. And it was crazy because we played a tournament, what I said, and, um, uh, that tournament we won and I got best player of the tournament. So I thought maybe after this tournament, they will still want to talk with me and find a way. And uh, even after that, they didn't want to find any compromise and, and nothing. Yeah. So I just uh, thought, okay, then this is it. We won the final of the cup against Persib. It's my team, like yeah. the biggest game in Indonesia. Yeah. And after the game, the coach of Persib uh, called me and said, hey, congratulations, how's it going? I said, everything great, only I have problems here financially and uh, we have a bit of argument. He said, whatever you want, you are welcome here, so you know. I said, well, maybe we can we can make uh, something happen here, you know? So, uh, yeah, I, I actually uh, broke the contract by rights and uh, I make, uh, I think, one of the biggest craziest transfers yeah. in Indonesia football history. <laughs> so, but to break a cron- contract, um, uh, this may be uh, delicate, but that, that means that the salary hasn't been paid out for a longer period of time. Is that correct then? Yeah. yeah. So what, what actually uh, 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 they did in Indonesia at that time was they, they find a, a rule um, 
I don't know how I say this and if I should say it, but <laughs> let's say that let's, let's, let's do it like this. The, the salary didn't get paid on time, uh, by a number of days, delayed months where you have the right as a player. If after 14 days after notice, you are a free player. Yes. So actually I use this, I use this rights. I use this way. And, um, uh, after this, I'm, I was a free agent to, to go wherever I want to go. Yeah, so you make this move, like you said, it's a historic move almost. Like, uh, and because the rivalry between these two clubs, like people outside Indonesia may not know, but this is very intense. Like, people have literally died uh, over the years uh, because of uh, uh, confrontations between the supporters' fans, fan bases. So. When you make the move from one of these clubs to another, I can imagine that you get the full brunt of that too. Like there are a lot of uh, fans, especially from Persija in that regard, of course, who are probably not very happy with that move. So what was it like from your perspective to deal with the fans? I should make a documentary about it, <laughs> <laughs> like Luis Figo. <laughs> yeah. No, was, I remember like... Uh, it went in it, it went in parts, okay? So first one was the announcement like, hey guys, I'm leaving the club. So at that moment, everything, everyone was set. Okay. Like everyone was on my side. Everybody was like, what is happening? How can this guy leave our club? Just got the passport, just been Indonesian, just won the play of the tournament, won the cup. How can he go from our club? You know? So, so, so the first step was the, the announcement I'm leaving. The second, the second part was the club reacted on the announcement I'm leaving and fans start to a little bit turn on me, mm. like they start to believe the club. Then the third one was, I'm announcing my new club. <laughs> and I mean, every other club would have maybe been okay, but this one was like <laughs> a no-go, like no chance he will do that. Like nobody will believe this will happen. And then just one day, the announcement came. And like whole Indonesia was shocked. And I remember like my inbox of DM with death threats and, 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 and so many messages and newspapers and like, was just crazy. And I remember like, yeah, it's just part of it. You know, like I don't even open it. It's just the choice I made and I have to stand behind it. And I did one interview at that time because uh, I felt like I have to give my story once. I don't want to reply to no nobody every time mm-hmm. uh, and, and tell the same story all the time. I just want to do it once so people leave me alone. You yeah. know, <laughs> let me live my life. Let me play my football because the thing I did was actually really normal. Yeah. Um, and and after a time, it settled down. Mm. Um, so, did and you- actually also because of the national team, because I started uh-huh. playing for the national team and we did well. So actually the supporters of Persija had to support me again because I played for the country. Ah, that's that's a good point. So that's interesting. You, you already mentioned it. You got your passport around the same time. So that's a very interesting and unique uh, part of your career is that after playing in Indonesia for several years, you have no Indonesian blood or heritage whatsoever, but you became eligible because you lived in Indonesia for a long period of time to receive an Indonesian passport and to become an international player for Indonesia. So when did the FA uh, approach you for this? And what was the process in your mind like to decide, like, I'm going to give up my Dutch passport to get an Indonesian passport and and do this? 
Yeah, so so the first time was actually already in Makassar, and it was not because of the FA, but more of the supporters. So I think it was more like a joke or like, hey, will you be interested to play for us? Like, we we, we need a player like you. <laughs> and and at that time, I, I said in the interview, they asked me this question, and I said, yeah, why not? Like, I'm here, it will be amazing. Uh, I've seen videos and footage of the national team to play in a country of 300 million uh, people would be a dream coming true. And at that moment, the ball started rolling. Um, uh, the club started to support me. Um, the federation started to support me. The, the 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 coach at that time from the national team started to, to reach out and say, hey, are you really interested? And okay, how can we do this? So at that moment, like everything was... Yeah, in my advantage that that people really supported me and say, okay, let uh, let uh, let naturalize him because he is a great asset for the country uh, to play for us. So that was the reason why it happened. Um, and also, yeah, it wasn't really a, a hard decision for me to be honest. It was just like, why not? You know, like such a such an honor and 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 a great key turn point in my career you know yeah and life yeah it's it's a it's a wild move but it's it's very uh it's beautiful in a way that that you became so uh you fell in love with this country and then uh the country fell in love with you and then uh now that's unified in you playing for for the national team i think you made your debut in the summer of 2022 in a friendly against uh bangladesh if i'm not mistaken what was that moment like for you yes. to then step onto to the pitch wearing the indonesia jersey the national anthem playing what was it like for you yeah yeah especially the anthem at the start i was like wow you know is this really happening like i don't even know the wilhelm you know like <laughs> now now i'm singing the national anthem of indonesia out of full chest um <laughs> just seeing the supporters there chanting my name was even crazy because at that game was my first game and uh half time the captain go out and uh coach and, and he said okay to who should i give it and the coach said, yeah, give it to Mark. And I was like, wow, it's my first game for national team of Indonesia. I'm wearing captaincy. Like, can can things go crazier, you know, like yeah. how my life changed. But I felt proud, you know, and, and, and so happy. And what I said, everything started with the journey of acceptance. And I really felt acceptance came came to light. And, and I think this is what purified me as a person, as a player. And what made me calm and, and, and grateful to to live every day. Yes, to live every day. That's um, an, a segue to an unfortunate thing that happened last year uh, in Indonesian football culture. We mentioned before that sometimes, because the fans are so fanatic, incidents can happen. But last year, a, a big thing happened. I think uh, recently uh, a policeman uh, got... Uh, Sentenced for that as well, like the big stadium disaster with, I think, over 170 people who, who passed away. Um, was not at your club, not a game you were playing, but still it's in, in, in Indonesia and with a very, very big impact. Uh, it was worldwide news, of course. What was it like from your perspective and how do you look at the fact that this happened in the country you are playing and you're a national player for now? First of all, really, really, really sad, uh, especially for all the people involved, you know, and the families, like crazy. I could not imagine 
it'd be happening in my game, you know, for the players, for the families. But the crazy thing is, and and I, I said this also at that time, like I was shocked, okay? But I was the so I have to really say this carefully because maybe you interpret me wrongly, but when this happened, I was like, oh, another tragedy. You know, like, here we go again. Like, why every time this happens here? Then I see the number of deaths start to go up like, like crazy. And I was like, is this real? You know, like, is this really 160, 170 people? But then I see all the news in all over the world start to take this on and publish it. And I was like, yeah, this is big. But then it actually started to sink in that this this is not normal, man. Like, this should stop. And and so the real shock came after. Later, I started to digest it. And I said, this is madness. It could have been me, you know. Like, I could have been playing there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think now uh, the FIFA and Indonesian FA are working together to improve the stadiums and stuff. What's the situation like now? What do you know about um, ways people are looking to prevent this from ever happening? Difficult question, because to be honest, I don't really see measurements at the moment yet. Um, The only measurements I saw that right after the league was stopped for a long time, and then we go black playing without supporters. Now we go back playing again with, I think, 60% capacity. Um, but real measurements, to be honest, I cannot tell you mm. what okay. what they really did. Okay, okay. All right. And if they did. Yeah, so we'll, we'll have to see, we'll have to see what will be improved in the long uh, longer term. Exactly, right. yeah. So off the pitch, you are an entrepreneur as well you you market yourself as well uh you've been often called like the david beckham of southeast asia which uh, is a is a cool nickname to have <laughs> so uh, in this phase of your career you're playing for Persib now what are the dreams that you still have for yourself uh, as a football player and as an entrepreneur uh, in southeast asia or maybe even beyond nice question um I, I'm I'm someone who plans and look ahead, um, and at the same time I'm someone. I should be someone who really take everything day by day and be happy that what everything I have uh, uh, is actually already such a blessing. Um, but what I have for plans is now I'm playing at Persib, uh, one of I think the biggest club in Indonesia. I still have a dream to play outside Indonesia, especially now with the national team. Uh, things are really going well. Uh, I'm playing all the games. Uh, I have a good track record and statistics. And I'm thinking maybe of a move to Japan or Thailand uh, as a next step in my career, just to challenge myself again uh, um, and and to go and try to play on a, on a, on a new, better level. Um, also to explore new ways of life, uh, possibilities in Asia. Um, so this is maybe one of the challenges I have for myself. Yes. Uh, outside uh, football, as an entrepreneur, um, I want to be the biggest social football player 
marketing wise in Southeast Asia. And I'm on the way. I'm no, uh, I'm not, not there yet. Um, I still have many, many, many steps to go. I think I'm on the right way, but this is the, the, the end goal for me, the dream to be marked and, uh, to be remembered and to create a legacy in Indonesia where people will always say there was no guy like Mark Clock, uh, in, in terms of, uh, football capacity in his, in his qualities, but also in terms of marketing. Yes. That's, that's beautiful. I think that's a beautiful way to, to end uh, the podcast. Final question. Do you have a message? I know a lot of Indonesian fans will be checking this, uh, this podcast as well. Do you have a message for them? Yes. Uh, just to say thank you so much for the support always. Um, I really, really, really got touched by it every single time and keep doing it. Keep supporting, uh, Indonesian football in general and uh, keep looking out for 433 <laughs> because 433 is coming to Indonesia soon yes. so <laughs> we're gonna have some exclusive content as well there <laughs> good stuff that's right all right Mark I <laughs> hope you get well soon uh, from your fever it was a pleasure to talk to you man and I hope you get to achieve uh, the goals you mentioned in your career thank you man thanks man That's the amazing story of Mark Pluck. Let's hope he will achieve his goal in cementing his legacy as one of the biggest names ever in Southeast Asian football. My name is Sam Verraalte and thank you for listening to this episode of the 433 Podcast. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.